You may be seated. It is indeed an, an honor to be able to minister anytime, but particularly on Mother's Day. I love this day when we set aside to honor moms. And I was thinking about it and pastor alluded to it as far as not just for me, but some of you in here, you may not be a a mom in the natural, but we do have a lot of spiritual moms here and we have godmothers here and we have special aunts here. And so I just want to honor all women here today because of the impact and the influence that you have on lives every single day. We have the opportunity to mentor young women and to teach them what it means to be a godly, godly woman. Well, we know that motherhood is full of life lessons and there's many teaching opportunities and used to when I'd preach I'd when in the younger years when I on Mother's Day I would talk a lot about my mother the things I learned from her and then as I was raising we were raising our two sons I would talk about what it was like to raise my children and now we're into the grandparent stage how many grandparents do we have here today Quite a few of you. And that's a whole different stage. I love being Grammy. I heard someone say, and I totally relate to it, if I knew that grandkids were going to be so awesome, I would have had them first. But <laughs> doesn't quite work that way, right? <laughs> but <laughs> I want to preface something today. I'm going to show you a little video, just because I can. I'm preaching. Uh, one of our daughter-in-laws, Lindy, and our youngest uh, granddaughter, uh, Lucy. And in this video, it's a wonderful teaching opportunity that Lindy sees. Now, I want to preface it by saying, you know, nobody take offense at what uh, Lucy says. And, may, you know, every parent is different. Perhaps, you know, you say this phrase in your home, no judgment here, but they have this little neighbor girl that comes over and plays quite often. And I've been down there and this girl uses this term all the time. So John and Lindy were giving her a teaching instruction on that's not what we say in our house. So I want you to look at this video, if we could play it right now, of Lindy, our daughter-in-law and little Lucy. Tell Daddy what you said. Okay. Oh my God. You did? Are you supposed to say that? No. What are we supposed to say? Um, oh my horse. Oh my horse. <laughs> That's right. Good job. <laughs> so, <laughs> I thought you might enjoy that. So good job to Lindy. First of all, she did not overreact and she held it together when Lucy made up her own term for, they usually tell them to say, oh my goodness. And we have no idea where she came up with, oh my horse. That's what we're supposed to say. So kids will say and do the funniest things, that's for sure. And moms and dads, it is our honor and it's our responsibility to nurture them and to train them. And again, you know, you you have your standard, you have what you want your kids to say or do or whatever, and that's your business. But I love the fact that they use this opportunity to teach Lucy, what they say in their house. And moms and dad, every single day, 
we have these teaching lessons, don't we? These teaching opportunities. The Bible says in Proverbs, I love this verse of scripture, Proverbs 24 verse 3 in the Amplified, it says, Through skillful and godly wisdom is a house, a life, a family built. And by understanding, it is established on a sound and good foundation. Do you want your life to be established on a sure, solid foundation? I know we all do, right? That doesn't just apply to moms and kids. That applies to every single one of us. And we know according to the scripture, if we want our life to be built on a solid foundation, it has to be built on the rock. And who is the rock? Jesus. Jesus needs to be Lord in our lives. And that example of Him being Lord is what will cause our homes to be built on a sound and a solid foundation. Amen? So we know about being moms that there's many examples in the Word of God of a godly woman that we can learn from. And today... I'm going to look at somebody who you may not really have heard of. I'm going to name her Mrs. Zebedee. Mrs. Zebedee. And I'll show you here in a minute who she is from scriptural, but scripture. But Mrs. Zebedee was the son, was the do- uh, mother, the mother of James and John. And the Bible tells us that James and John were known as the sons of thunder. That tells me these boys had some personality. These boys had some spunk. And I, you know, I have a lot in common with Mrs. Zebedee because we have a James and John. And I, I remember the first time that Dad Hagen came to our church, our spiritual father, and the boys were really little. And we were sitting in pastor's office and having a little fellowship. And you know, you want your kids to be on best behavior when a prophet of God is sitting at the desk in there, sitting at the table. And boy, how about this one? Boys will be boys. So they're wrestling and they're just, you know, they're not behaving. And so I tell Dad Hagen, he says, what are their names? So I said, uh, John and James. And he laughed and he said, ah, the sons of thunder. And then he said, apparently some days a little lightning too. Because they were not sitting there being perfect little angels. And I I had an aha moment and thought, wow, I guess, uh, Mark and I didn't think that through when we called them the sons of of thunder. <laughs> Anybody else in here have a James and John? Anyway, so we want to look at some lessons that we can learn from their mother, Mrs. Zebedee. Yes. Matthew chapter 20, and we'll begin at verse 20. And this is in the, I believe it's the NLT version. NLT, yeah, that's right. Then the mother of James and John. The sons of who? Zebedee. So if their dad's name was Zebedee, I guess their mom, because we don't really see her name, her name must have been Mrs. Zebedee. So she came to Jesus with her sons, and she knelt respectfully to ask a favor. Verse 21. What is your request, he asked. She replied, in your kingdom... Please let my two sons 
sit in places of honor next to you. One on your right and the other on your left. Next verse. But Jesus answered saying to them, you don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Oh, yes, they replied. We are able. Next verse. Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right hand or on my left. My father has prepared those places for the one he has chosen. So today we are going to look at life lessons that we can learn from Mrs. Zebedee. I believe that she has gotten a bad rap. I've heard this scripture and people say, oh man, she was so arrogant. So presumptuous, so pushy to assume that her two sons could have this place of honor. But as I was reading this passage, and the Lord, you know, gives me unusual messages sometimes. But I noticed in here that Jesus did not rebuke her. She was just being mom. A mom who believed in her boys. That's what the Holy Spirit spoke to me when I read this. And I immediately did think of some times when our boys were growing up. And one in particular, when John was playing high school basketball. I think he was maybe only a freshman, but he was playing on the high school team. He wasn't in the starting position, but he was pretty close. And one game, one of the starters didn't show up. So the coach played him the whole game. And they had just an outstanding game. And he did so well. And I was so proud. And yay, John, that was great. Well, the next game, we went to all of his games. And the next game, we were sitting pretty close behind the bench. And the coach didn't play John very much. He played this other star guy that was back. And so at the end of the game, they were they did win. And uh, they were getting ready to exit. And, you know, moms just say things sometimes. <laughs> I looked at John, I said, in my outdoor voice, do you know what that is? Loud. Great game. It would have been better though if you would have played more. (laughs) Well, John was embarrassed. And the coach, I mean, seriously, it was revealed later. This coach had issues. (laughs) So he decided they go into the locker room. And he had a long talk with the boys about, I'm the coach. Mom's not the coach, basically. I decide who plays and all of that. So I heard about that from John for years to come. But I was just been mom, a mom who believed in her boy. Mrs. Zebedee believed in her sons, apparently. So let's look at some of the things that we can learn from him. First of all, the Bible says she came and she knelt before Jesus. That tells me she knew who he was. She knew that Jesus was the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. She knew he was the son of God. Why else 
would she have said when you come into your kingdom? She recognized his purpose here on earth. It was clear that she had heard of Jesus' teachings. She'd probably been following him really close. And this particular day, she just came to check up on her boys. I'm sure she was just making sure they weren't hooked up with a false prophet. She was watching over her sons and in the mean and while she was doing that in the process, she had come to recognize Jesus for who he was. That he was worthy of her worship. He was worthy of her honor and of her praise. One translation, the one we read, says she came and she knelt respectively before Jesus. That's not arrogant. She was being humble. It was a sign of honor. She showed him honor. And because she honored him, he honored her. The Bible says, those who honor me, I will honor. It's a great lesson to teach our family. It's a great lesson for us individually to learn the importance of honor. If we want God's favor and honor to be evident in our lives, then we must honor Him with our best. Give Him the best of your time, talent, and treasures. Don't give God your leftovers. Don't set that example in your home to your family that, well, you know, we go to church whenever it's convenient. We pray when we're in a crisis. We put $10 in the bucket, you know, whenever we have spare money at the end of the month. That's not honoring God. In this society that we live in, I think that honor is lacking. And parents, we need to teach our children. She came to Jesus respectfully. Teach our children that we respect the things of God. We respect the house of God. We respect and honor Jesus. And not only Him, but we need to teach them to respect and honor people in general. It's not good if your kids constantly are acting out and showing no honor or no respect. If they're not taught to honor you, first of all, as their parent, it'll be hard for them to honor God. Those who honor me, I will honor. Mrs. Zebedee was honored that day because she honored Jesus. And he said to her, what do you want? What do you want? And that tells me also a second thing we can learn from her. And I've got, you know, a few points on this. So we're not going to spend a lot of time on each one. But the second thing that I believe we can learn from her, she petitioned the master on behalf of her sons. That tells to me she was a praying mama. Let your request be known. Let your petitions bring them unto the one who can hear them, who answers, and who will bring them to pass. Has anybody in here found out that prayer is powerful? Powerful, purposeful prayer. It paves the way 
for the impossible to become possible. Do you know how to get a hold of God? (laughs) Do you know how to come to the throne room of grace? The Bible says come boldly to the throne room of grace. That we may obtain mercy and grace and help in the time of need. Have you ever needed any help? Have you ever had a problem that was bigger than you could solve? Well, we know what to do in those times. We go to the most high God. We call upon the name of the Lord. He is faithful. He is true. His ears are open to the prayers of the saints. Amen. You may not be able to give your kids every little thing that they ask for in the natural. You shouldn't just shower them with gifts, 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 gifts. I mean, you know, there's a limit there. But what we should instill into them is that hey we might not have everything that you might want in the natural but we've got God and God is the most important thing that I can give to you teaching you about Jesus is with an eternal impartation into the lives of those little ones those grown children those grandchildren and teaching them that God hears and answers prayers. I don't know how many times that I've heard wonderful stories of, from moms and grandmothers that their little children, they wanted something and they couldn't get it for them. But they knew to teach them Jesus hears and answers prayers. Hallelujah. And our prayers do make a difference. Yeah. One of my favorite scriptures about prayer is found over in James chapter 5 verse 16. Again, out of the Amplified, and it's a long verse, so I'm just going to start with the bottom there. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. How many of you are righteous in this place? Let me see your hand. All right. Not every hand went up. All that is required for you to be righteous is to be born again. If you are born again, then Jesus has made you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Right standing with him. Not about our works, not about our feelings, about the blood of the lamb being washed in the blood. That's the requirement to be righteous. And when we're born again, then we are righteous. Then this verse says, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes what? Tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Hallelujah. We've got power that we haven't tapped into. And it doesn't matter if your little baby is six months old or if you have a 60-year-old. Tremendous power can still be made available through the prayers of the saints. Amen? And our prayers will stick with our kids throughout their lives. There's no expiration date on your prayers. You know, y'all have heard of Abraham Lincoln, right? Abraham Lincoln was president of our United States during a major crucial time. He's the one that decided that slavery was wrong. There was a major civil war, but thank God for what he stood for. 
And Abraham Lincoln said this. He said, I remember my mother's prayers. They have followed me and clung to me all the days of my life. Think of the plan and the call and the purpose on his life. Think of the spiritual opposition there had to be against his life. I mean, he was assassinated. The devil hated what he stood for, but yet he stood for what he knew was right. And I believe part of that strength that he had in him to do the right thing were because of the prayers of his mother. They clung to him all the days of his life. And they kept the plots and the plans of the enemy out of the way from him fulfilling his destiny. This said that it's dynamic in its working. Dynamic comes from the same root word dynamite. We know that there are strategies of the enemy. We know there are plots against all of us, against our family. But our prayers can blow those obstacles out of the way. They can remove those hindrances and those roadblocks and cause the plan and the purpose of God to be established in our lives and in the lives of of our children. Amen. Call upon the Lord. He will hear and he will answer your prayers. Now, like we've said over and over, if you've been here very long, you know, we have two sons. John is the oldest. And uh, from a personal standpoint, he was not a perfect kid. No kid is perfect. But from a young age, John accepted the call of God on his life. From the time he was a teenager, I don't think he ever wanted to do or anything else but be in ministry except when he, when he was a young teenager. He had one little detour. Any of y'all have parents, uh, parents, do you remember boys, girls, maybe two, playing roller hockey? So they had a neighbor that, that, you know, they'd set up out in the street and just for a little while, John thought that he was going to be a roller hockey star. But dad smashed that dream. Dad gave him a reality check. But anyway, he always had this knowing on the inside of him. I'm supposed to be in ministry. And he pretty much walked with the Lord all the days of his life. But then I always say, but then there was James. Do any of you have a but then, kid? (laughs) But then, you're like, wow, how did this happen? You were both raised the same way both you know this that and the other (laughs) we taught you the same way but it seemed like with James that he was determined to do anything except serve the Lord lots of sidetracks lots of tests lots of trials we won't go into all of that but when we were going through that season with him I remember we both pastor and I, we called on the name of the Lord. We were pleading our case. We knew we had a covenant with a covenant keeping God. Amen. Regardless of what it looked like in the natural. But one particular scripture that the Lord gave me during that season. And you might want to write this down if you're going through something with your grown children or your teenagers. Proverbs 19.21 in the Amplified. It says, many plans are in a man's mind. 
but it is the Lord's purpose for him that will stand. So regardless of what they think they're supposed to be doing, regardless of the side journey they might be on right now, and they're living completely out of their head, you can claim this fact that God's purpose for my child will stand. Regardless of what the devil may be saying to my kids, regardless of how they're living right now, I declare they will serve the Lord. And God's purpose is higher than any thought that they might be having in their mind. Any detour that they may be on. The Bible says, all of my children shall be disciples taught of the Lord. And great shall be their peace and undisturbed composure. Find yourself some scriptures to stand on and stand on them. Because the word will work. The word will work if we work the word. God is faithful to his promise. God is not a man that he should lie. And just a short version of this, we are happy to report that James is in the plan and the purpose and the perfect will of God today. He's not living out of his head. He's serving God with all of his heart. He's a man of God. He's a godly husband. And he's even a dad, which is like miraculous to me. He's a dad, a godly dad. And I'm not sure if he's on the platform today. He is many times. But he is serving at Brother Keith Moore's church many Sundays. He's on the platform playing the guitar for the glory of God. Hallelujah. God's purpose will stand. Petition the Lord on behalf of your children. And then another thing we can learn from Mrs. Zebedee. She had big expectations for her boys. No one could accuse her of not having vision. Do you have vision for your life? Do you have vision for your kids' lives? She had great expectations. Proverbs 29, 18. You can take this for your own life as well. In the King James, it says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. What's vision? Vision is seeing. The ability to see what God created you to be. The ability to walk and to see the plan of God. She was seeing something about her boys. Our, expe- our expectations and our actions speak volumes to our kids. She figured this out. Well, he is the savior of the world. He is the son of God. He's got a kingdom, not in this world, but in the world to come. And a king sits on a throne So I'm just assuming somebody's going to be on his right and somebody's going to be on his left. So why not my guys? Why not my boys? That's called vision. That's called great expectation. 
And she said something. She didn't just think it. She said something. She said something to the master about what she was seeing about our boys, her boys. Well, my boys. (laughs) Our words paint pictures. Our words are containers. Just by virtue of what she did that day, I'm pretty sure that in the Zebedee household, James and John did not hear, you are losers. You'll never amount to anything. You're so stupid. You're so dumb. Absolutely, those words were not spoken in that home. She was a confident woman of God, and she had raised confident sons. Notice they went right along with mama when she went and knelt at Jesus' feet. They'd been taught to respect mama. What mama say, we do. She had vision for them. She had expectations for them. Can you imagine what James and John must have felt that day? That their mom believed so much in them that she would come to Jesus and ask this request of him? I had to speak to them. Wow. Mama thinks I can sit at the throne of Jesus and rule and reign in his kingdom. If you'll read the rest of that passage in Matthew chapter 20, you'll find out the other disciples, ooh, they were mad. They were angry. What? What? The nerve. They were actually probably thinking, where's my mama? (laughs) How come she didn't come? (laughs) So even though... Even though Jesus did not grant Mrs. Z her request that day, neither did he deny it. He just simply told her that it was the Father who determines who's going to sit there. So we can learn from that. Now we know that it's fleshy to be arrogant, to be cocky, to be demanding, to be pushy. That's in the flesh. But to stand in faith and to be bold is of the Spirit. The righteous, we told you about the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, availeth much. Well, it also says in Proverbs that the righteous are as bold as a lion. So when it comes to your kids, don't be arrogant, don't be pushy, but you need to be bold in the realm of the Spirit. And say, it's going to go this way, devil. You're not having my kids. They're going to stand for the plan and purpose that God created them to be. Amen? Amen. And then last, no, not lastly. Yeah, lastly. But it's a long lastly, so don't get too excited. (laughs) The fourth thing we can learn from Mrs. Ebony. She brought her sons to the feet of Jesus she knelt respectfully and they knelt there with her do you have any cares do you have any concerns in your life today that you need to bring to the feet of Jesus when it comes to our kids we want to sometimes be 
their savior. We're their mom. We're their dad. We are not their savior. We can't fix them. We can't save them. We can't order and direct their lives. We can plead their case. And we can stand that they will fulfill God's plan for their life. Not mama's and not daddy's. But God's plan. Sometimes when I think about it. and You know, I'd, I'd like to have both of our boys right here, right now. And sometimes I get a little sad about that. I'm thinking, oh, I want to see, you know, they could stay where they're at. But I'd like my granddaughters here. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I really. But oftentimes the Lord reminds me, did you dedicate them to the Lord? When they were babies, we dedicated those little guys, didn't we, Nance? We dedicated our sons, our daughters to the Lord. So what does that mean? They're not mine. There is. Right. He has a higher plan than we might have. For their lives. I remember it's been many years now, 13 years now, that John and Lindy are going to be married 18 years this year. And they worked for us about four or five years. And when they decided that they felt to move down to Southern California and start a ministry work down there, I think I was the first one that John talked to because he knew how mama was going to react. <laughs> So he came into my office one day over at the other building and he said, Mom, God's dealing with us. We're going to move to Southern California. We're going to hook up with this ministry called Soul Survival. And I just know the Holy Spirit has given us witness. We know it's right. And you know what my first reaction was? And I said it. John, you don't need any Holy Ghost. You got a mama. And mama is saying, you ain't going. Well, that didn't go over very big. Yeah, eventually I repented. Because there is no verse that says, for as many as are led by mama. You're not going to find it in the word of God. We can't lead and direct our kids in the path that we sh- they should take. But we do pray that they take the right path. Amen. The Lord wants all of us today to be reminded that when things come up in our lives and in our children's lives, can't fix them, and we certainly can't take the care and the concern and the worry of it. I'm looking at a mature group of folks in here today, and a lot of you are at the same stage in parenting that we are at, adult children. Many of you raised your hands at your grandparents. When you have adult children, being mom never ends. Being dad never stops. But the role has to change. And there is a time when we have to let go and let God take care of them. Let go and let God. And I know that some of you in here were not a believer when your children were small. And the devil likes to beat people up over that. 
and bring tormenting thoughts. Well, you didn't raise them right, or they should have been in church, or you should have prayed more, or you should have done this, or you should have did this, and blah, 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 blah. God never condemns. That's not the Holy Spirit. If you're having to deal with those kind of thoughts, God does not condemn. God forgives. And of course, we've all made mistakes. There are no perfect parents in here. Don't allow the enemy to beat you up over past mistakes or past failures. Receive the forgiveness of God and then learn to take that care of what your kids may be doing, how they may be living and cast it upon the Lord. First Peter chapter five, verse seven in the Amplified. Casting the whole of your care. All. What does all mean? All your anxieties. All your worries. All your concerns. Once and for all. On Him. For He cares for you affectionately. And He cares about you watchfully. Casting the whole. All means all. Not half. Not some. We were not designed to carry worry and stress. There's so many diseases now known to man that are stress related. God is the creator of our physical bodies. And that's why he said, don't carry those cares. Cast them on me. It will eat your lunch. It will destroy your health. If you think you're the savior and you got to fix all of the situations in your family, you can't do it. So cast it on the Lord. Do what Mrs. Zebedee did. Bring it to the feet of Jesus. Some of you are trying to carry the care of that little Little Johnny, when he was a baby, you carried the care of him. And now he weighs 250 pounds. And that's a lot to carry. (laughs) It's time to cast him, it, every worry and every concern over upon the Lord. Amen. As a matter of fact, let's all stand. Every one of us, not just moms. This word applies to all of us. We're instructed not to carry those things. Because we do have granddaughters now, and I've watched all the little Disney movies. Some of you may have seen this movie, The Minions. They have a few out now. Anybody ever see the Minion movies? Well, in one of those movies, in one of those movies, in one of those scenes, they say, Wave your hands in the air like you just don't have a care. These little minions are dancing. Wave your hands in the air like you just don't have a care. So that's what we're going to do today. But first, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And everybody, because whether it's a child, a grandchild, concerned about a job, relationship, there's something I'm sure that you're carrying that you shouldn't be carrying. So we don't need to have you come down here and lay hands on you, but we can do this corporately. So can everybody put your hands out like this? You take that child. You take that career, that financial pressure. Whatever it is. Some of you, 
You know, instead of having armloads of blessings, you got armloads of cares today. But we're going to do what the Bible says. So we say, you have it? You have that care right now? Cares? Then we're going to do this. Just do this. Turn it around and say, Lord, I cast this. I cast them. I cast this on you. I'm not going to carry it anymore. I'm not going to worry about this anymore. I'm casting it upon you. I respectfully am coming to your feet, Lord Jesus. And I'm giving you all of me, all concerns, all worries, all cares in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, let me just pray for you, Father, in Jesus name. You have seen this act. I believe it's an act of of faith today saying I'm not carrying this. You see the hearts here today. And Lord, I thank you that you honor this expression of our faith as we cast this upon you. And now I am asking you for the peace of God that passeth all understanding to come upon these precious ones. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus, you came to give us peace, not pressure. Rest, not restfulness. Restlessness. No, you are the giver of peace. You are the giver of rest. And we receive it today in the mighty name of Jesus. Now we're going to do like the little minions. Wave our hands in the air like we just don't have a care. Woo! Wave your hands in the air like you just don't have a care. Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. Now let's lift our hands to him and give him glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your watchful care for us. Thank you, Lord, for the things that we've learned today from Mrs. Zebedee. Hallelujah. Oh, may we act upon your word. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen.